Hi FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. 101.9, today's topic is a very important and interesting one, um, like every week, but now especially, uh, uh, we always say this, but today is special because since COVID, there's been this period of time that kind of we were doing our own kids education, we were raising our kids and doing all the work school was doing. And then we've moved to kind of a period of time where, yes, the kids are back in school. However, as parents, we must be much more with involved. We are much more in with the hands on the post, knowing what needs to be done. And we're, I'd say, in a way, more involved in our children's life, I think. If you think otherwise, uh, message us is one eight nine five one zero one nine. I'd love to hear, however... Um, it does seem to me that we are way more involved and way, way more responsible and actually way more able to be responsible and to affect the education and the achievement of our kids. And one of the aspects that are extremely important for the kids is obviously the speech. And as we're all parents, we're not all uh, speech therapists, we're speech professionals. And sometimes we think that um, the challenges, the achievement, the growth, needs to be done by professionals or by teachers or by schools, which is true to a degree because there's a lot of things that we as parents can do. There's a lot of things that we can do in our day-to-day lives, in our homes, with our kids to improve their language skills, um, their achievements, their communication, many things that are very um, beneficial for our children's growth. So today's show I'm going to be joined by Nadine Ripper. Nadine is a speech therapist uh, who works very widely, very, very well in the community with parents, with kids, and works in putting in places and place many programs and many skills. And we're going to talk, be talking today about the very practical things for parents to do at home to improve language with their kids, the younger, and we'll see how we have to move up to the older and to um, can kind of touch base on other topics. If there's anything you want to add or ask, speak to Nathan directly, ask me, you can always send us a telegram. Please do, actually. We'd love to hear what you have to think about what we're discussing. 061-895-1019 is a telegram line. Or you could send us an SMS, but that's only if you're listening in South Africa. 34519 is the SMS line. Again, 34519 SMS or 061-895-1019 is on telegram. Good afternoon, Nadine. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Reva. Okay. So we're going to talk practical today. That's right. Last time you were on the show was centuries ago, before COVID. That did feel like many, many years ago. Yeah. <laughs> it was the beginning of this year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it was, as I said, the, the, the world before COVID. And we spoke about um, evaluations, about growth, about development, etc. Yeah. Now let's talk about practical because we, as, as I said right before, um, and as we spoke, parents are, I don't know, I find them much more involved now to be a, after COVID. Do you find the same? Uh, yes, to, and also I feel that parents know their children better. So often, uh, I think before COVID, parents wouldn't realize how their children were always doing in the classroom, but then the classroom came home, uh, because of lockdown. And then parents had a much better indication of how their kids were actually doing in the classroom and how their attention skills were and their organizational skills and all of those kind of things. Um, and I think it was quite eye-opening for many parents and not, and quite difficult for, for many, I'm sure. 
Uh, but it also, yeah. I think, took away the fear. Many parents who felt that, you know, I'll, this is for the professional to do. I'm just a mother. What do I know? I'm just a father. What can I do? Suddenly, they had to go through the curriculum with their kids, and they had to get involved. And right. a lot of this fear of, I don't know what to do. I have nothing to do. I'm not an expert. We see that we can do. Yes, absolutely. And, and another thing, just as a therapist, is that often in, an, in a half-hour therapy session in the week, you know, we can only do so much. It really is half an hour in a week. Or maybe if it's twice or three times a week, then obviously it's more. But the more that a parent can do at home, the better for the child. And also because it's at home, it's much more contextualized to the child's world. So if the parent is doing an, doing an activity in your, in the kitchen while you're busy cooking dinner and it's just part of, you know, your engaging, uh, your discussion, your relationship with the child, uh, firstly, it's, it's easy. You know, you don't need any fancy equipment. You don't need anything expensive. You really just need yourself as a tool. And once you have yourself as a tool and the right way to kind of direct your communication to the child, your child can learn so much just just from you as the parent. Right. And having yourself, I think, comes without saying that in order to do this, you've got to be with your child. Not, I'm, I'm embarrassed to even say this again and again, not with your phone, with your child, not with other things, distractions. you got to be focused and on top of things. Yeah. And it goes with that whole... Um, theory that, that everyone's throwing around about being mindful and being present and being in the moment. And even if you just have those five minutes just to chat to your child, and I'll talk to you in a few minutes about ways that you can engage with them, um, it, it means so much more than than anything because, you know, you, you never really know what, what's going to stick with your child. You really need, you, you never know how much of an impression or, or how long-lasting that moment can be for them. Um, mm-hmm. So if we can take advantage of that as much as possible, it, it is huge for our children. So previously in the show, I've had professionals say that rather not be around your kids all the time um, and focus on what you need to do so when you're with them, you can focus. So be, let's say, even if you have five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes a day quality time with every child, but and the rest of the time you're doing your own thing, it will be more beneficial and give your children the ability to grow and learn independence when you're not with them rather than just being half with them, half not throughout the whole day. Yeah, it's about quality for sure. So even if it's 10 minutes, let's say you've had a crazy busy day, there's been a thousand things on the go, you know, you haven't had a chance to, a, a chance to connect with your child, but come bedtime and you sit down together and you read a book. Um, books, again, they're not expensive, they're not fancy. Uh, it can really be a five minute or even a two minute read and then a five minute chat. Um, and, and that quality time with your child is, is so, so incredible for their language development. Uh, yeah. you, you said it very simple and moved on, but I think this is a very big thing to just because for years we knew that uh, a good parent will come to their child, read uh, a story to them, and give them a big hug and a kiss goodnight. And you're saying rather read less and have a discussion about what you read, even if it, they won't fall asleep from the story per se, but you'll gain from that communication, discussion, and language. You're saying it's more beneficial than just reading a kiss goodnight and out. You can't look. There's a lot of value and a lot of benefit just to read, you know, just reading the book in and of itself. In and of itself, um, that builds vocabulary, it improves their comprehension, it promotes empathy, um, it exposes children to different experiences, it reduces stress also because they're just having their cuddle time with their parents. It builds self-esteem and it deepens your family connections. And um, the reason why I'm saying a quick book be- is because parents say to me, I don't have time to read a book to my children. And, and in your mind, you think it's a half an hour of your day. But a lot of those picture books that you read to toddlers, 
or maybe if your child's a bit older and you're just reading a chapter book to them, it really is not a lot of time. In fact, I've found myself reading to my children and sometimes it really is only three minutes. Um, but then if you have the extra time, expand on it. And there is so much that you can do with the book um, to help your child's mind open and to expand. So even before you've opened that first page, let's say the name of the book is, I don't know, Winnie the Witch Goes to the Beach. Something even as simple as that, you can say to your child, what do you think this is about? Who do you think are the characters in the book? And then as you're reading, you can ask the child, what do you think happens next? Um, if there's a word that maybe seems unfamiliar to them, you can ask them if they know what it means. And as you're going through the book, if you can try and pinpoint certain questions that kind of gets their mind expanding or gets them thinking a little bit, then what you're doing is you're firstly building on their language skills, but you're also building on something called executive functions, which is the higher level of thinking and which they need later on for their relationships and their academics. And you are laying the foundation stones for that, you know, as you're reading your nighttime book to your children. So by just getting them to think and to get and to be aware. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. That's amazing because I think that that's something very, uh, I'd say on the one hand, simple at the same time, um, we're not used to. We're yeah. not used to actually having a discussion at night um, before. If anything, the discussion is about, I'm thirsty, I'm scared, I don't want to sleep, I want to whatever. I get me something, do something, I have home. But you're saying to actually have a proper discussion um, will increase. Wouldn't it stop the brain from kind of going to sleep? Um. Well, it can be very stimulating, so I suppose you have a point. <laughs> but at the same time, I think if it's done in a soothing way and you have a routine about it every night and you know that once your discussion or once your book is finished, um, you know, then you add can Add another say, minute to calm the child yes, add, down. Yes, and good that and yeah. add hugs and kisses and lots of yeah, So it, I think it comes as a part of the routine. Okay. Yeah. So we do have to take an ad break, which we'll take in a moment. But it, you're, as you said, it's really, really, really short. I mean, if we take these books and sometimes we're tempted to skip pages, but really it's changing it from two minutes to a minute and a half or half a minute. It's really not a big deal. But I guess we're mentally tired at the end of the day, but we'll get to that. We're going to take a short ad break. And when we come back, we'll continue the actual practical points with the day with me, Ingrid, or speech therapist. 101.9 Hi FM, Hi Chinook, for a short ad break, and we will be right back. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. So back to our discussion. I'll just remind listeners that while we're talking here to Nadine Brieger, speech therapist, some very practical tools. If you have any practical questions or anything you want to add or ask or add to this discussion, please share with us at 061-895-1019. That is the Telegram number to message us, 061-895-1019. Or you can SMS, South Africa, 34519. One nine, and back to our discussion. So, right before the break, we were talking about uh, how to create discussions before going to sleep, before bedtime. Let's go. Let's talk a, bit, a bit about our younger kids. Um, I think that their language development today is not as good as we had a few months ago, uh, due to the fact that there's less play dates, less communication, less. Um, th- there is more social distancing. Uh, and maybe things that we could have expected in the past to kind of pick up with their language, with their friends, with communicating is not as good. Uh, definitely there's an extra need from of parents to actually start putting practical language skills with their younger kids at home. Um, would you agree with that? Yeah, 
Yes, um, absolutely. But again, it doesn't have to be time-consuming and it doesn't have to be expensive. So if your little one is sitting down and playing Lego and okay. you have... So here we've got to practice. What can we do? Okay. <laughs> so they can play Lego. So they can take their hands and stick the bricks together or it's Play-Doh and they can squeeze it and mold it. Or you can use language while they are building. And you can talk to them about the colors. You can talk to them about the shapes. You can use, for example, the Play-Doh. You can use different verbs and teach them. If you say, I'm squeezing the dough or I'm molding the dough or I'm creating or whatever kind of word that you're using, your child is going to pick up. Um, and in fact, if you speak to your kids while you go about your day or while you're playing with them or whatever it is, if you're exposing them to that day-to-day conversation, that um, exposes children to about a 1,000 to 2,000 words every hour that they may or may not have known before. So, <coughs> excuse you, me. What age could we do? Preschool is 1,000 to 2,000 hours uh, words, words per, per hour. hour. Look, we don't count our words. <laughs> no, so we're not conscious not. of it. But for a child, it is an immense learning opportunity. So basically you're telling all the moms of Lipskin to turn off the radio now and stop listening to us and start pointing out to the kids. <laughs> Look can. what we're driving past. Look at that house, that building, that car. Well, again, I don't want to put pressure on parents when our lives <laughs> are already pressured. Um, but, yes, you can do that and you can point out different cars or this, the different ro- houses on the road or the stop signs. Um, or you can put a, a kids-related podcast or a CD or some kids' music in your CD player or, you know, on your stereo. And uh, your child will, just from that, maybe you can have a break while you're driving, <laughs> your child just from that will absorb the words and the language around all the time. Um, play, uh, sorry, just to, sit, just to talk about sitting down and playing Lego with your child. Play for a child is work. It is serious learning, and it is where that child learns the most. So if you could take advantage of play, even if you just sit down with them for really, really short, and you build with them or play with them or a quick board game, um, the, the impact and the, the, the learning effect that's happened to your child because of that is immeasurable. Another tip, it's actually oh, amazing. Yeah. I know you're flying through the tips and you have a lot to offer. I hope we'll manage them. <laughs> but um, I, I think it's amazing because you don't – generally walk into the house and see the mom or dad sitting on the floor playing Lego with the kids. However, that is one of the um, best tools to increase a child's language. I'm not even talking about the communication and the love, care, etc. Why don't we do that? I think our lives have become crazy. Um, and uh, unfortunately, you know, I saw a grade three child in a therapy session and I took out a board game as part of the therapy. He didn't know the numbers on the dice. He didn't know that if you dice a five, you move your piece five spaces. And to me, it was just tragic that this child who's nearly 10 didn't understand the concept of a board game and didn't understand the concept of turn-taking and winning and losing uh, because he had just never been exposed to it. So I'm not saying that parents need to do this 24 hours a day, but I'm saying to try and create that... 24 minutes a day, maybe. <laughs> not even. <laughs> But really, just that short, sweet, and special time with your kids, the, the outcome is, is really, really practical. Yeah. Um, I'll give you some other tips that you can do. So just to model language to your child. So in other words, if your child is talking about a, I don't know, you know how children shorten words to make it easier for them to, to say, and then sometimes the parents take on that way of saying those words. It's very yeah. cute. Um, but I would discourage it because children learn from modeling. So if you are talk- talking to your child in in barely lengthy sentences with all your words correctly, that you are modeling that for them and you are creating that learning opportunity for them just by them listening to you. 
so you're saying don't hang catch on to their language mm-hmm. actually stick to the correct language and although they speak to you and you understand them mm-hmm. but um basically you focus on on the right way yeah so uh, i think nick ravinovitz did a skit on this and it was really hysterical but he spoke about mati sauce you know because his children called tomato sauce uh, you know these cute little words and and just from a speech therapy point of view even though nick's um, stand-up was really, you know, hilarious. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. From a speech therapist's point of view, it really is important to to model for your child the correct way to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing you can do, and this is especially with the toddlers who haven't expanded their sentences yet, so if they point out a truck, you know, maybe they're sitting in the car and they see truck, you can say, you know, that's right, you can, the truck is going fast, or you can say it's a big blue truck, or I love trucks. And then what you're doing is you're taking that one word for them, and you're showing them another way of using it in language so that they're getting the basis for sentence expansion as they grow. You're putting it in the sentence. Yeah. So, again, it's the modeling, but you're also extending or expanding for them. Um, another another tip that you can do is to wait. And now this is... <laughs> this I'm just going to give this an opportunity because we're going through yeah. so much. And if anybody wants to clarify or ask or add or comment yeah. um, or think of things of another way to make all this practical in our lives, please send us a message or 61-895-1019 Telegram or 34519 Okay. Mm-hmm. So um, when I say wait, um, sometimes the child, their brain is still kind of processing what they want to say how they want to say it, and also their little mouth <laughs> isn't quite ready yet for all these complicated speech sounds and sequence. So sometimes they do need a couple of seconds uh, to get their thoughts together before they say it. So it's important for you as the parent to anticipate that if you can, and not to jump in and complete the sentence for them. Give that child the opportunity to think. Um, you know, you don't have to put pressure on them in any way and say, you know, what is it? Or, you know, just give them that space. And hopefully within that couple of seconds, they'll get out or they'll express what it is that they wish to say. But that giving them that space and that silence is, is also really, really valuable, and it does create more opportunities for them. Right. I, I think it's, it's crucial, and I know this is not necessarily speech, but it's crucial. I find it also on the other side. I could have parents tell me, you know, my son's on the computer or my daughter is playing something or doing something, and I have to call it within five times. And, like, how do you call it from the time? And she'll say, uh, come to the table come to the table, come to the, and then basically you're not giving any time for the child to actually process the request and get up and do it. And all these things take time. So if we're in the kitchen or somewhere and we're shouting to our child to come, we need to give enough time, which you could say probably how long that would be, but more enough time for the child to hear the request, to process it, to decide, okay, to get up, that takes time. And normally I find that we can call our kids, um, I'd say, premature, like faster than the actual time it takes for them to come. So we'll call them and get no response within 30 seconds and do it again. So what I've seen happen, unfortunately, is you say, you know, come get your shoes or come and eat dinner, and then the child doesn't respond, come and eat dinner, and then the parent loses their temper because it's now the fifth time that they've repeated the instruction, and then it's shouting. And then sometimes the child learns only to respond once the shouting happens, and we don't want that. So I right. do agree with you. Rather give them that space and, and reward them once, you know, thank you for stopping your computer game. I know you were in the middle of an important part or whatever to, to come to the dinner table. And sometimes that validation also is just immeasurable. Right. Yeah. Definitely. Okay. okay. Um, 
so I'll give you some other tips. Uh, I'm just going to give you some practical examples, especially with the little preschoolers. So you have um, narration and you have conversation. So narration is just the parent talking, talking, and the conversation is creating opportunities for your child to respond, but in a very relaxed, in a very unpressured way. We don't want to create this pressure on our kids um, to 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 speak. You know, they must speak in their own time and, and when they are ready. So you could say to your child, let's go to the bathroom. We're talking about younger kids. Yes. Right? Okay. Uh, you could say to your child, let's go to the bathroom and brush our teeth. Or you could say to your child, time to brush our teeth. Where should we go? What do we need? Um, and those kind of things, and it gives them independence, it gives them the thinking skills, it allows them to take the initiative. And sometimes for the child, never mind their language development, it's really empowering. Um, another example is, here's a spoon for your cereal. You know, or you can say, here's your cereal, what do you need to eat it with? You know, what, what else do you need? Let's get the milk. And those kind of things to, to help your child to kind of jump on the bandwagon instead of being provided for, but letting them think and creating the answers themselves. Right. And then, and then, yeah, and, and there's a, a, another aspect to it that when the child is involved, they're less likely to ignore you for the set. So if you say, here's your spoon for eating, they may take the spoon, may not. But if you say, what do we need? And they're already engaging the conversation, then you'll get their reaction. They will take the spoon. So sometimes it's a bit of a mind shift for parents because we're so used to doing everything for our children a lot of the time. But if you can, can try and just take a step back and allow them that space to think and allow them that space to create um, answers to their own problems and to start problem solving, it's a, already a higher level of language that you don't even realize you're tapping into, but you are. And it's crucial for parents. I find that many times parents are when they're frustrated. I do everything. I have to do it. My kids don't do anything. I do it for them. It's exhausting. <laughs> right. But they're kind of enabling their kids because if you're kind of saying, this is what has to happen. This is how it has to happen. This is the reality. Without having a discussion, then you are doing everything for your child, but you're not teaching them another way. Yeah, absolutely. And and the last thing just to all, all these tips that I've given you, they can still apply for children who are not speaking yet. So even for really little babies. Um, and any children who may have kind of special needs because what you're trying to do is just to create opportunities for them, keep your language simple, and create as many learning opportunities as possible. I'm that just going to throw out a, okay. a quick quote. It, it says, presuming that a nonverbal child has nothing to say is like presuming an adult without a car has nowhere to go. So if we consider each child to be their own world and their own um yeah, really their own world. We need to try and tap into that on whatever level we can to to create their learning experiences as much as we can. Yeah, that's amazing. I think that's a call out for for fathers more than mothers because many times I could have this discussion with parents and mom will say, yeah, my child's a few months old, but I can speak to the child and, and kind of give, give this vocab. And the father's like, what are you speaking to a baby for? And you're actually saying that we have studies that are showing that it helps the child's... Um, Absolutely. Just because they're not responding in full sentences doesn't mean they're not taking in every word. Or responding and every, at all. Or, yeah, they're taking in every word, every sound, every nuance, uh, your tone of voice, your facial expression. They're taking that all in. Um, and they are learning so much from it. And and we are unaware and sometimes blissfully unaware <laughs> because I think if we realize how much they're learning from every opportunity, you know, we put ourselves under pressure. Um, but I think if we can take the one moment here, the one moment there to really try and tap into our kids' 
day-to-day language learning opportunities, um, I think it's an incredible constant learning experience for them on a, in a natural way. Right. Yeah. And I think we're not aware also in a, in a, in a very um, negative aspect, I'd say, because if sometimes um, adults can have a conflict at home, uh, assuming the kids are not picking up or not realizing or not hearing or using bad language or something because they're not talking to the kids, they don't realize how much stress they're putting their kids on in because the kids are literally listening to every word at home. Yeah. Much more than we think. That's true. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. I know my kids, they'll listen to every word unless I want them to. But, uh. <laughs> well, you know, the, the, there was a story of a family overseas and they were speaking in Afrikaans to each other so that the children can understand and then their kids learned Afrikaans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they that really works. do pick it up. <laughs> <laughs> that works. Okay. So, so then, so then basically what you're saying is that the more language we use appropriately, the more discussion we have with kids, we're actually creating language skills. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and why is language so important? I mean, it really is such a gray, um, skill. It's not like doing a handstand, which you can see. It's not like cutting with a pair of scissors all the way you hold your pencil, which is very visible to the eye. Language is very gray. It's very hard to, to see if the child has the skill or not. But at the end of the day, with somebody with language skills, they can explain, they can argue, they can negotiate, they can present information. They can create ideas. Um, they can problem solve. They can question the world around them and be curious. And uh, those are um, imperative and critical skills that we all need as functioning adults. So if we um helping our children to develop those when they're young, then all the better for them as they grow and uh, you know, into teenagehood and adulthood too. Right. right. And again, we need to remember that these things that maybe when we were growing up we kind of got naturally because we went out with our friends, we went and played, we had much more time outside um, I specifically grew up overseas, but even since I left 30, 40 years ago, people were able to go out sometimes to just play in the playground with your friends and not be around adults all the time. There was a bit of more of a natural way of development which we need to replace. Mm-hmm. We can't just let go of it. Mm-hmm. And, and that's why, like, um, the whole notion of now going back to the dinner table and having discussions as a family and how worldwide, you know, not only in the Jewish culture, but really globally, uh, people are really trying to just bring those basics back because it really is so critical that the children sit at the table and listen to the adults and they kind of have to tap their brain into the adult vocab and the adults concepts and the adult discussion that gets them thinking they ask questions. Um, and and that's why our Shabbos tables are really such a, a blessing. Yeah. Um, From but a therapeutical it, point of view, Shabbos is a gift. Absolutely. Really absolutely. And then there is that time to sit down and play later. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. 100%. Um, yeah, so so maybe before we go into the next topic, because I know there's a lot, we do need to take another ad break. Um, I will remind our listeners that if there's anything they want to add up to me, or get involved in this discussion or ask any questions to Nadine in a discussion with Nadine Breaker, a speech therapist here in Bloomberg. Um, go ahead, send us a telegram at 061-895-1019 or an SMS at 34519. IFM 101.9 MHz of life. Yeah, we've kind of spoke a lot about toddlers and Okay, so, so what happens with language once it's, once it's, uh, 
consolidated on an oral level. And basically the child is speaking like a mini grown up, <laughs> okay. kind of when they're six or seven years old. They've got good sentence structure. They've got good vocabulary. Now they're in grade R, grade one, grade two, and they start to read. And from the reading, um, you know, they're developing the decoding skills. They're developing uh, the reading comprehension skills, the fluency. For some kids, it's harder than others. For some kids, it's easier than others. But what happens once they reach grade three is instead of learning to read, they're now reading to learn. And then what happens from grade three, four, and onwards is instead of learning to read the text, they're using the text as a way of learning the the content or the information the in the there. text. Right. Um, and what happens with those overlapping reading skills and the overlapping language skills that they already have is there are all sorts of other skills that are starting to crystallize as well. Um, and this is already starting from grade R and develops as the child goes through their schooling. Um, and they're called executive functioning skills, which are the higher order thinking skills. Um, and there's a whole list of them. <laughs> if you want okay. me to go through them. Yes, let's go through okay. them quickly. I, we don't have that much time. Okay, but so let's I'll, see what we I'll can be do. quick. So we've got planning and prioritizing which is the ability to figure out how to accomplish our goals. So if the child knows they have a lot of homework that afternoon, you know, it's kind of how to plan their time and prioritize it. Um, yeah, so I'm not going to let you fly through this. How do they plan it? Because that's a huge thing. <laughs> I hear from parents huge, all the yeah. time. Homework is, is is extremely stressful. So how do we go through oh, planning? Okay, how do we help our child? To that's plan? a very loaded question. I think it needs a whole other show. Um, <laughs> but, okay. yeah, homework... Um, yeah, at, at, at the same time, we don't want to create more pressure that the child is under, but at the same time, there are concepts that the teachers need the children to practice at home, and especially if there's a test coming up, then they need to to prepare for it. And it teaches them skills of the time management, the planning, how to organize themselves prior to the, the, the testing. Um, and uh, I do think that study skills is a massive part of schooling, and some schools cover it as a curriculum, some as an extramural. Um, and I think a lot of the time kids need to be taught how to study. Um, and uh, it really is it's massive because often once they're taught the skills of how to study, they carry it through with them all the way into university where the volume of work is so much more. Um, Do you believe in a set time for homework? Uh, if it's possible, sometimes it's not possible. And looking at our frenetic schedule, sometimes it's not possible. But if you can, then that would be Actually, quite a few years ago on the show, we had a very big discussion, debate in the community about, uh, yes, homework, not homework, etc. And one of uh, the educators, and she used to give the, the she did high kids for some time, she did um, the Yiddish program, a very special lady, and she came on, she spoke on the show, she has passed away unfortunately, but she spoke about homework, and one of her strong thoughts was that, uh, she was very clear about homework being part of work. She said that when a child learns to do it in a, by a desk with a certain time, with all this stuff, not laying on the floor kind of, what is this word, and trying to figure it out or all over the place in the car, then you're actually, if the child's doing it all over the place, you're actually not, you're not only not teaching them working skills, you're taking away from their ability to work. But if you make a fixed time in a fixed place, an organized a working station, it can actually become a pleasant thing. I absolutely agree. And again, it's it's instilling in your child future um, skills that they'll need to have when they're working one day. And they have to have a workstation or a desk, you know, to do their homework. It has to be quiet. It has to be well lit. Um, sorry, what you were saying about time, it doesn't necessarily have to be a fixed time, but it does have to get done before 
um, a certain time. A certain time, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, and it teaches them time management skills, which which are huge, you know. And and right. often children need to rely on parents in the initial stages, but as they grow older and more independent, then the more they do it on their own, the more they're empowering themselves and growing that responsibility right. in themselves. I don't think we realize as parents how crucial it is to work with kids on t- um, time managing. Um, Considering the situation of social media and phones and internet that is so time consuming and if a child doesn't learn to have amazing time management skills, they have a very big chance of drowning in life with their phone, with their social media, with their just technology. Mm. And I, I would actually think that maybe we do need to have another show about this and this is a, a huge thing of time management because without time management, there's no way we can manage it. Mm-hmm. Well, there are, you can use technology <laughs> to help manage your time. Okay. Um, there's, there's an app, I think it's called Forest. Um, I could be wrong though, but basically you get started with a little leaf, um, on your phone. And if you avoid your phone, if you're not checking, you know, every time it beeps, then your forest grows. Um, <laughs> and if you do check your phone, then your, your little leaf or your tree diminishes. Um, okay. and sometimes that's a very visual way for kids to see, oh, I am getting sucked into my, Social media, you know, I need to study it, my phone away. Um, that so is they, important to see how much time. Yeah. So technology has its um, hindrances, but it also has ways of helping right. us. Right. So I got a question for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, have a really great show as usual. Thank you. Uh, funny question: How do you feel the face mask will affect communication skills for babies? Yeah. No, it's huge. It's huge. Um, so. Babies rely on the whole face in order to see uh, the speech sounds, in order to see the expressions and to see the nuances and to see the timing of the voice that's coming and who it's coming from. You know, if everybody's mouths are covered up, they often don't even know who's speaking. Um, and I'm not even talking about babies. I'm talking about the older kids, too. It really is a hindrance. For people who have hearing difficulties, it is awful because they've lost that whole lip-reading visual cue. Um, I've managed to purchase some... Face masks that have a plastic uh, kind of pocket by, by okay. the mouth, um, <laughs> which has its good things and it's also quite hot, <laughs> unfortunately. Okay. Or if you can wear a shield, there are different shields that you know cover the mouth. Um, but those would be better. I really, I see babies. Um, you know, the one baby saw me with a mask and started crying, and I really do feel for mums and babies who are growing up during this uh, COVID time because it really is different and it really is tough. And I think the more we can expose babies um, without masks, the better for them. But at the end of the day, if we need to wear masks for the global pandem- pandemic being what it is, then that's what we need to do. Right. Yeah. The question is, so then Mark says, well, I was debating if to send my baby to playgroup or not. And if it's a life that everybody in play is wearing masks, maybe it's not beneficial, not the way. Um, yeah, well, I think that's something you've got to make a decision as, as a parent. But I think the benefits of playgroup, especially if your child is climbing the walls at home and is in need of stimulation, I think going to playgroup, even if it's with a mask or one of those hats that have a, a plastic uh, screen over the face, it's a bit more comfortable for the little ones. I've done for the project with the yeah. staff are wearing Oh, the staff, yeah. No, so, it, yeah. it takes away so much of the, the facial expression and the pragmatic language. Right. And, and, and it really, for kids who are struggling from either hearing or auditory processing or a language point of view, um, they struggle even more, unfortunately. It's not easy. 
So that should be addressed as well. Thank good question. I don't know about the answer, but we, I guess this is what we have at this short time. Yeah. And we have to see. Maybe we have, it's a good idea. I think maybe we'll dedicate a show to that. Find a way. Uh, we do need to take another ad break and okay. then we'll come back. We'll see what we can still manage. 101.9 Chai FM. Chai Chinook. A short ad break and we'll be right back. Chai FM. 101.9 megahertz of life. 101.9 Chai FM. Chai Chinook. We are back at the last and final part of the show today with Nadine Bricker, a speech therapist. Um, during the ad break, we were uh, talking. What should we do now? Because we're very far from achieving all the tips and all the goals <laughs> and everything they even had to share with the community. Um, at the same time, we want to see what to fit in. And we actually thought maybe to go quickly through the main points that we've done already, just for listeners who joined now, and I think quite a few crucial points. I'll say from my point of view, uh, it was fascinating, the discussion about and not only reading your child's uh, story before they go to sleep, but having a discussion and create language around it, and just being aware and bringing language into life. I'd say, okay. what would what would you summarize from the points that we went? Um, well, I'm talking specifically about really young children, so I'd say between the ages of one and four. Um, their play um, is the most important, the best way to tap into your child's world. It's the best way to promote language development, whether it's a board game, whether it's Lego on the floor. And you can try and use different words or different sentences. Um, you can make a story about it. And whatever it is that you're doing is is really, really priceless for your child as they grow. Enjoying your children and, your, and their games. Yes. Absolutely. And just also, the, I think the best part of it, never mind the language development, is you're building your relationship with the child. A hundred percent. And that, that is huge. And, and that also shows why language and empathy go hand in hand because they, they really are connected. Um, another thing that you can do is to model for your child. So you remember to use good sentence structure, good vocabulary with the correct pronunciation for your child because you are modeling for them and they're picking up from your example. Um, another thing is to expand. So if your child says ball, you can say, yes, that's right. It's a blue ball or it's a big ball or let's bounce the ball or whatever it is. And then you helping them with that one word that they know and creating it in different contexts for them and they're learning from that. Um, another thing, I don't think we mentioned this, speak about what they love. So if your girls love makeup or if your boys love dinosaurs um, or if your girls love dinosaurs, then go ahead and, and speak about what they love um, because, again, it's their world. And the more you speak about what they enjoy, the more they'll enjoy learning it. Um, reading to your kids. Um, I didn't say this earlier. Uh, there was a study between kids who were read to by their parents and kids who weren't. And they found there was, I think, a one million word gap between those kids who were read to when they were young and those who didn't. And I'm not saying being read to every night. I'm saying being read to even just a couple of times a week. So if you can read to your children, whether it's during the day, whether it's your nighttime, snuggles together, um, reading is crucial. And the more our kids are exposed to different kinds of books, um, again, they don't have to be expensive. You can do a book swap with your kids' friends. Um, I know the libraries are still closed. <laughs> um, there's tons of free books even on YouTube. So you don't necessarily have to read it to your child. They can watch the book being read to them on YouTube. But then if you can still try and use that opportunity to ask them one or two questions about the book. So and I see have what to tell learned. you about that before we wrap up. Yes. There's actually a teenager in the community that I hope that boy who made this amazing of uh, having books circulate around the community. He's made a project 
uh, maybe we have to get him here and discuss with him. But oh, fantastic. Is, yeah, so if anybody wants details, um, you can contact, I message the radio, and I will get that message and reply to you. Um, yeah, or even email me at rabbigsa at gmail.com, and I'll give you the contact with, uh, of this amazing young boy. Ooh, I didn't tell him I'm going to speak about it on the radio, so I'm not going to say his name on mm-hmm. the radio, but he has put an amazing initiative together. Um, yeah, so there is an option to get books, etc. We are really running out of time. Okay. If anybody wants to be in touch with you directly, how do they do that? Uh, you can email me, nadine.bricker at gmail.com. Um, um, nadine.bricker at gmail.com. That's right. My cell phone number. Uh, no. Otherwise, Rather I... <laughs> Let's just put the email. Okay. Otherwise, I, on Facebook, there's uh, my Facebook page, Love to Learn to Talk. Love to Learn to Talk on with, Facebook. With the number two. With the number two. Yeah. Okay. Oh, so love to, love number to two, learn love, to learn talk. to talk. Okay. <laughs> um, okay, amazing. As all great shows, especially this one that we haven't even gone through nearly everything uh-huh. we wanted to as another tribe comes in. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having um, me. Learned a lot. And please go next time. We'll have you on the show again and we'll discuss other uh, practical more tools again. Um, thank you. So that was Nadine Bricker, speech therapist here in the community. Thank you, Nadine, for being with us. Thank you, Craig, for all the amazing work you put together on the show. Thank you for the listeners. Have a good week. We will be back next week. Please got two to three. Hi, Chinook with Rabbi G. In the meantime, stay safe, stay well, and do something good for yourself and the community.